The Audio Ballads present Citizen Pain, Episode Three. We wanted to watch the funeral parade go by. Parade? Huh? See that old dog cart over the way? Four of his friends are gonna load the coffin on that and drive him up to New Rochelle. What say we follow the cortege anyhow? It's a twenty-mile walk. Yes. But it's a walk with history. To pass the journey, I'll tell you the story of Tom Paine's life. What's that say? Fifteen miles to New Russia. Fifteen miles. Never mind that. Recollect before you started bellyaching that we left Paine at the door of death, deep in the bowels of a ship, struck with a pestilent fever. This sure is a laugh a minute. I dare say you're on tenterhooks to know whether he survived the crossing to America. Well, if we got fifteen miles to go, I'm guessing he ain't dead yet. Well, you's just gonna have to find out. Oh, oh, oh. Careful now with that stretcher. Let's not tip him in the drink now that he's made it this far. Ah, Mr. Bash? Yes. I believe this gentleman is your responsibility. Meet Mr. Payne. Is he alive? Yes. Uh, hang on. Yes, for now anyway. This is typical of my father-in-law. Dr. Franklin. Bad enough he lands me with a newly arrived, unemployed, middle-aged bankrupt to look after. Now it turns out he's an invalid. Better get him home. Can I trouble you to help me carry the stretcher? Tis not far. (sighs) Very well. It's down here. I've arranged lodgings for him opposite the London Coffee House. Just down here, see? Right by the slave market. Real fine Negroes for sale. Slaves here to buy. House slaves if you need them. Slaves here today. Ever since the discovery of America, Britain hath employed herself in the most horrid of all traffics, that of human flesh. Yearly without provocation and in cold blood as she ravaged the hapless shores of Africa, robbing it of its unoffending inhabitants. Negroes for sale! Got Negroes for sale At auction on the block Female and male Only the finest stock Count them fingers and check them teeth Pinch that muscle and bone beneath There's none of them crippled or withered or lame But look them over just the same Got a real fine cargo of Negroes, real fine Negroes for sale. Got house slaves today, come up and take a look, take this one away. She'll wash nine and cook, she's got sweet manners, she's mild, she's meek. And when she's spoken to's when she'll speak. A nine-year-old daughter will work for you too. Or we can sell separates up to you. Got a real fine cargo of Negroes, real fine Negroes for sale. That some desperate wretches should be willing to steal and enslave men by violence and murder for gain is rather lamentable than strange. But that many civilised, nay Christianised people should approve and be concerned in the savage practice is surprising. 
These Africans inhabited fertile countries, were industrious farmers, enjoyed plenty and lived quietly averse to war before the Europeans debauched them with liquors and bribed them against one another. By such wicked and inhuman ways, the English are set to enslave towards 100,000 yearly, of which 30,000 are supposed to die by barbarous treatment in the first year. The slave traders should be called devils rather than Christians. Break up these chains, my people, break up these chains. Get off your knees and don't crawl. Somewhere on a mountain top, I hear freedom's call. Heed that freedom call, my people. Heed that freedom call. I swear I see an age of reason a coming for us all. So heed that freedom, heed that freedom call. Break up these chains, my people, break up these chains. Get up your knees and don't crawl. Somewhere on a mountain top, I hear freedom's call. Heed that freedom call. My people, heed that freedom call. I swear I see an age of reason a coming for us all. So heed that freedom, heed that freedom call. To catch inoffensive people like wild beasts for slaves is an outrage against humanity and justice. So monstrous are the many evils attending the practice as selling husbands away from wives, children from parents and from each other in violation of sacred and natural ties. Perhaps some could give them lands upon reasonable rent. Some employing them in their labour still might give them some reasonable allowances for it so as all may have some property and fruits of their labours. A family may live together with civil protection and other advantages like fellow men. Got slaves here to buy. If slaves is what you need, a whole fresh supply. All of them guarantee the very best bucks that the boats can boast. Just shipped in from the Windward Coast. You'll never find a finer field hand. He'll pick your cotton, he'll work your land. Got a real fine cargo of Negroes, real fine Negroes for sale. I despair of seeing an abolition of this infernal traffic. Is this it then? Top floor! To Benjamin Franklin, March the 4th, 1775. Morning. Honoured sir. Here again, I see. Your countenance in me has obtained me many friends. You'll oblige me if you feel at liberty to peruse any of the books in the shop. And much reputation, for which please to accept my sincere thanks. Ah, Locke's two treaties of government. Familiar with Locke? A somewhat austere philosopher, but nonetheless engrossing. Well worth an investment of seven shillings. Oh, now, please, sir, don't think I was insinuating that a purchase was a necessary condition of inspection the merchandise, uh, Mr... Uh, I have been applied to by several gentlemen to instruct their sons on very advantageous terms to myself. Mr Payne, Aitken, 
Robert Edkin, at your service, sir. This here's my shop. Couldn't help but notice your obviously sincere fascination with the works on these shelves. A golden treasury, sir. No doubt about it, a golden treasury. Also notice that you never bought anything. <laughs> and would you be perchance looking for employment? However, Mr. Robert Aitken... Come and take a look out back here. A man of reputation. There she is. What do you think? And property. Solid oak frame with cast iron fittings. Best press in Philadelphia. Ain't a doubt about and it. And a printer and bookseller here. You can press out eight pages at a time. See here? Boxes of hard metal movable type just waiting to be formed into language and set out into the world. As lightly planned, a magazine. To be issued monthly, produced in the American colonies for the American colonies. Contributions covering a wide variety of topics could be included. But having little or no turn that way himself. There might be poetical works, disquisitions on philosophical matters, discourses on the latest scientific discoveries and processes. There'll be a list of commodity prices, coffee, chocolate, beef, butter, etc., etc. A summary of meteorological conditions. There's a very good piece about the habits of beavers. Somebody gave me somewhere now. Where did I put that? Oh, yes, and no politics or religion, or at least let us avoid disputes in both areas. He has therefore applied to me for assistance. So we're agreed. You are to take on the duties of executive editor of the Pennsylvania magazine at a salary of uh, £50 per annum. Not a fortune, I know. I am to remain as editor-in-chief and to have final say on the contents of the publication. He had not above 600 subscribers when I first assisted him. Well, Payne, I think we may congratulate ourselves on a very fine production. We have now upwards of 1,500 and daily increasing. But I confess myself concerned at the unravelling of events in the country at large. All this rumpus over grievances with Parliament and the King. In such a climate, is it wise for us to be printing pieces such as your reflections on titles? When I reflect on the pompous titles bestowed on unworthy men, I feel an indignity that instructs me to despise the absurd. A very excellent piece, no doubt of it. The luster of the title of my lord might overawe the superstitious and forbid them to inquire into the character of the possessor. But is this the moment to be giving the impression that we do not hold the aristocracy in the proper esteem? Ah, the reasonable freeman sees through the magic of a title and examines the man before he approves and him. With things as they are, with the Continental Congress sitting and talk of boycotts. However, it is with much pleasure that I have heard the title of Honourable applied to a body of men who, nobly disregarding private ease and interest for public welfare, have justly merited the address of the Honourable Continental Congress. Didn't I say, right at the beginning, no politics, yet somehow it keeps creeping in. We don't wish to be seen to be taking sides, is all I say. What with the redcoats on manoeuvres in Massachusetts and all these local militias forming? Well... I hope I'm wrong, but I sense trouble ahead. Something stirring here. Is it just a little fracker over taxes and tobacco that's occurring here? There's a line that once ran between violence and venting spleen, and it's blurring here. Something's rumbling here Something quiet but persistent Something audible yet distant Keeps on grumbling here Is it history being made? Or just talk of tea and trade? All this mumbling here 
with eyes closed we stand on a precipice God forbid we might ever look down Something's brewing here Are we aiming just to settle Or is building up our metal What we're doing here Is there something behind the scenes More than a hill of beans That is stewing here And it's turning here Who is this rabble, Lieutenant? And it's yearning here Local Lexington militia, sir And it's burning here Time to stand aside I happened to come to America a few months before the breaking out of hostilities. I found the disposition of the people such that they might have been led by a thread and governed by a reed. You men, stand aside! Their suspicion was quick and penetrating, but their attachment to Britain was obstinate. And it was at that time a kind of treason to speak against it. They disliked the ministry, but they esteemed the nation. Their idea of grievance operated without resentment, and their single object was reconciliation. Stand aside, I say, in the name of the king! What do we do, Captain? Stand your ground. Don't fire unless fired upon. But if they mean to have a war, let it begin here. Something starting here. Are these posturings pretenses? Are our sane men and their senses somehow parting here? Is it merely some fleeting phase? Are truly the end of days that we're charting here? Bad as I believe the ministry to be, I never conceived them capable of a measure so rash and wicked as the commencing of hostilities. Lay down your arms, you damned rebels, or you're all dead men! I viewed the dispute as a kind of lawsuit in which I suppose the parties would find a way that decide or settle it. Disperse, you villains! You rebels! I had no thoughts of independence or of arms. The world could not then have persuaded me that I should be either a soldier or an author. If I had any talents for either, they were buried in me and might ever have continued so had not the necessity of the times dragged and driven them into action. Disperse! Lay down your arms! I had formed my plan of life and, conceiving myself happy, wished everybody else... What do you say, Captain? Should we back off? Blindfold we stand. On a precipice God forbid we might ever look down Ye gods, sir, was that a shot? Was that us or them? Something's stirring here Hey! Hey, have you heard the news? It's much more than a fracker over taxes and tobacco That's occurring Hey, militiamen shot dead by the British in Lexington There's a line that once ran between Violence and venting spleen And it's blurring here 
and it's yearning here. When the country into which I had just set my foot was set on fire about my ears, it was time to stir. What's this, a pamphlet? Are you mad, Payne? I I can't publish this. It's positively incendiary. Take it to your radical friends over at the coffee houses. Go see if Rittenhouse and Rush and all the rest of them you sit up with talking till all hours will risk their necks. I certainly will not. The first edition of Common Sense was printed by Bell on the recommendation of Dr. Rush. I gave him the pamphlet on the following conditions, that if any loss should arise... I would pay it, and in order to make him industrious in circulating it, I gave him one half the profits, if it should produce any. I gave a written order that the other half should be laid out for mittens for the troops. So what have we here, Mr Bell? Common sense? New pamphlet, Mr Trevelyan. Another one? Hmm, of the origin and design of government. Fresh off the press. Who's the author? Who the author is of this production is wholly unnecessary to the public, as the object for attention is the doctrine itself, not the man. Takes on the question of English rule. Yeah, it may not be unnecessary to say that he is unconnected with any party and under no sort of influence, public or private, but the influence of reason and principle. Doesn't tell us how to be rid of the damnable taxes, sir? Goes further than that, Mr. Trevelyan. Says we should be rid of them altogether. Rid of whom? (laughs) The English. Well, ain't we all Englishmen, Mr. Bell? Not if we adopt independency. Independency? Set up a whole new country, Mr. Trevelyan. Outside of England and the Empire. Just we ourselves, beholden to no king. (laughs) Well, now that all sounds like one great big pie in the sky. Try it. Two shillings. Best piece of pie you'll ever eat. Two shillings. Yeah, well... The fellow who wrote it takes no share of the royalty, donates all to the cause of General Washington and his army. Mm, very philanthropic. Of course, the lion's share of nothing is still nothing. Some nothing. Eight this morning, that pile of pamphlets reached nigh on to the ceiling. Oh, is that so? Pie in the sky is getting to be a mighty popular breakfast amongst literate Philadelphians. But surely most men look with fondness towards a reconciliation with Great Britain. This military manoeuvring is merely a precursor to some amicable coming together and re-establishment of happy relations. Uh, read the pamphlet, Mr. Trevelyan. He presents common sense. Kings must rule corruptly. Let's be the shapers of events. Well, now that's dangerous talk, if you ask me, Mr. Bell. And end the reign abruptly. Perhaps the sentiments contained in the following pages are not yet sufficiently fashionable to procure them general favour. A long habit of not thinking a thing wrong gives it a superficial appearance of being right and raises at first a formidable outcry in defence of custom. (laughs) It appears that you are under the spell of this pamphleteer, Mr Bell. Very well, then. Common sense, common sense, might as well peruse it for just four and twenty pence. So that's two shillings. Very good, sir. You won't regret it. It's fun. If one poo poos it, but the tumult soon subsides, time makes more converts than reason. Well, this fellow certainly speaks his mind, seems very sure of his opinions, has the sniff of brandy and water and the faint echo of the thumping of alehouse tables about it, if you ask me. Still, 
logic is logic, and when it comes down to it, he sets out an argument. He certainly does set out an argument. I offer nothing more than simple facts, plain arguments, and common sense. No pretense, common sense. The pros are most ungainly, although I say in his defense. The sun never shines on a cause of greater worth. He puts the case quite plainly. It is not the affair of a city, a county, a province or a kingdom, but of a continent of at least one-eighth part of the habitable globe. So you see, Reverend, the author talks not just of a matter of taxes and of righting a wrong within the current system of rule, but of, well... Starting the whole thing again from scratch, a revolution. It is not the concern of a day, a year, or an age. Posterity are virtually involved in the contest and will be more or less affected even at the end of time by the proceedings now. I don't know, sir. To confront authority and make it see the error of its ways is one thing, but to overturn it entirely, where would it end? What authority would ever be safe from such challenge again? Even that of God Almighty himself and the Christian Church. It is repugnant a reason of the universal order of things to all examples from the former ages to suppose that this continent can longer remain subject to any external power. Read the pamphlet, Reverend, I implore you. It sets it clear. This is a turning point in history. The business of whole continents. He ferments common sense This goes beyond just taxes To the fortunes of two continents And when there's winds house waxes From the verdant Carolinas Up to Massachusetts Bay With the logic of Aquinas He shows us the way Brethren Never before have I put before you words other than those of the Holy Scriptures. But we, the people of these thirteen colonies, now face a choice of biblical enormity. Are we to take the principles for which we are fighting and embody them for posterity in a newly formed nation, born not out of a hunger for power and territory, but arising out of an idea? We have it in our power to we begin the world. We have it in our power to begin the world over again. A situation similar to the present hath not happened since the days of Noah until now. The birth of a new world is at hand. saw a parson preach it from the pulpit over in Connecticut. Had him down as a blasphemer at first, but darn it, the thing seems so straight ahead settled once you've heard the case put in plain English the way this fellow does it. What's the crux of it? Crux of it is, 
Kings is bad. Trace them to their first rise. We should find the first of them nothing better than the principal ruffian of some restless gang. William the Conqueror, a French bastard landing with an armed banditti and establishing himself King of England against the consent of the natives, is in plain terms a very paltry, rascally original. We should make our own country. Uh, separate off, huh? Is we to be run from across the ocean? Three weeks hard sail away? I'm all signed up for the militia. If there's to be fighting, I'm in as a minute man. Gun ready on the dock. Then who's to blame if it comes to a fight? We fight neither for revenge nor conquest, neither from pride nor passion. We are not insulting the world with our fleets and armies, nor ravaging the world for plunder. Beneath the shade of our own vines we are attacked, in our own houses and on our own lands is the violence committed against us. This here says it plain as day. If there's to be shedding of blood, then this lays out the purpose of it. This gives a man a thing to fight for. A thing to die for, goddammit. I ain't dense, common sense, and as I understand it, he says them old red-coated gents. Lit the flame and fanned it It's intense Common sense You're for it or again it No more sitting on the fence My musket now this minute From the fields of deepest Georgia To Rhode Island's rugged shore Men make up their minds To forge a nation out of war we view our enemies in the characters of highwaymen and housebreakers, and having no defence for ourselves in the civil law, are obliged to punish them by the military one, and apply the sword. From the fields of deepest Georgia to Rhode Island's rugged shore, men make up their minds to forge a nation out of war. I tell you now, Colonel, I've never seen men so fired up and set to do their duty. All over the writings in this here pamphlet. Extraordinary. Wished I could have pointed them straight at a battalion of redcoats there and then. Wouldn't have been a British soldier standing. Common sense. Hmm, broadside of the Tories, is it? Rant against unfair taxation. Goes beyond that, Colonel. Gives us a vision, a great prize to aim at. Prize? What prize? A fair settlement with the king and parliament, that's the prize. Force them to the negotiating table. Look again at these damned taxes. I have heard it asserted by some that as America hath flourished under her former connection with Great Britain, that the same connection is necessary towards her future happiness and will always have the same effect. Nothing can be more fallacious than this kind of argument. With respect, sir, that's a lot of old horse feathers. Hmm? What? Horse feathers? Have you taken leave of your senses? We may as well assert that because a child has thrived upon milk, it is never to have meat. If you're asking men to leave their fields and families and their occupations to come and fight a professional army, you better have something more than the prospect of a cobbled-together agreement about taxes signed behind closed doors. And what, might I be bold enough to ask, Lieutenant, would that something be? A new nation all our own colonel, formed out of the principle of elected government as against the tyranny of kings. 
This is sense, common sense. More and more I see it. Confront a tyrant, he relents. I think I better take a look at this pamphlet. This nation's owls, let's free it. And what, gentlemen, can you report back to me of the morale amongst our various militia? General Washington, sir, a feeling is growing amongst the men, uh, not just the men of the militia, but the people generally, that the end of our endeavors must be directed toward a break with the mother country and all the constitutional entanglements thereby entailed. A break, you say? Uh, that seems to be the view that is fast gathering acceptance, General, uh, sir. Separation? Is this separation from England of which you speak? There is a pamphlet, sir. A pamphlet? A publication setting out the case uh, entitled Common Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah Common that's Sense. Right. Oh, I Seems that, to yeah. have caught the mood. Let me see this. I offer nothing more than simple facts, plain arguments, and common sense. Is it the contention of this author that the high affairs of statesmen are the business of the common people? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yes, sir. Connecticut man and Virginian and the Marylander too. Now we're all of one opinion. Let's begin anew. Come now, gentlemen, can we bring this session of the Second Continental Congress to order, please? So, you are converted to independency, General. That I am, sir. The arguments seem to carry with them the force of destiny. Well, here's a welcome change of heart. Aye, sir, if you say so. Say so? I do say so. Mr. Adams, let us be temperate in our exchanges. When, even after Lexington, General, you remarked, did you not... If you ever hear of my joining in any such measures as separation from England, you have leave to set me down for everything wicked. Hmm? Yes, there now. Why, the circumstances now are quite altered. Mr. Adams, we are all of one view now. Let us not foster bad blood between us. And you, Franklin. No American, drunk or sober, has ever favored separation from the mother country. Your own words. Well, you have me there. Can a man not revise his opinions, Mr. Adams? So you too, Mr. Jefferson, no longer look forward with fondness toward a reconciliation with Great Britain? Indeed not. No, indeed not. Indeed not. Indeed. Oddly, it seems now all are turned to my view in favor of separation, of Independence. And so you may feel gratified in that respect, even flattered, sir. Except that it is when all and sundry are got up on their high horses over this gutter's night pamphlet. The birthday of a new world is at hand. Common sense. Ah, common sense, indeed. Now all the talk is of democracy. Of a republic with electors. It will be found best that the elected might never form to themselves an interest separate from the electors. Prudence will point out the propriety of having elections often, because as the elected might... And men have said that it is I who have put out this odious performance. You, John? You have a bestseller on your hand. Damn it, sir, you know full well I could never be the originator of this 
this crapulous mess. No, any of us here present. It is pain, as you well know. A man unschooled in the subtle art of government. A man who stirs up the mass of uneducated and illiterate men and fires them full of a passion to have their share in the stewardship of a nation. God knows, Mr. Adams, we need a little fire if we are to defeat the British. But where are the checks and balances on representative democracy? Where, say some, is the king of America? I'll tell you, friend, that so far we approve of monarchy. In America, the law is king. For as in absolute governments, the king is law. So in free countries, the law ought to be king and there ought to be no other. It's galling, John, I know. You spend months arguing the constitutional niceties in the most rarefied chambers in the land, and then this bibulous oath comes along and drags the whole damned populace round to your position with a foolish pamphlet. Nevertheless, it's immense common sense, plain to all who read it. Revolution must commence. Well, I've said that from the very beginning. I don't see why we need a pamphlet to tell us that much. And we're the man to lead it. Where? Two, one, two, three, four. He presents common sense. Kings must rule corruptly. Let's be the shapers of events. And end their reign abruptly. From Delaware to Pennsylvania, people heed the pamphleteer. Freedom's like a kind of mania. Now the path is clear. Freedom hath been hunted round the globe. Asia and Africa have long expelled her. Europe regards her like a stranger. And England hath given her warning to depart. Our America. Receive the fugitive and prepare in time an asylum for mankind. Common sense, here's immense a notion quite gigantic to face a king and send him hence. Back over the Atlantic In New Hampshire and New York The old allegiance melts away In New Jersey Those who talk rebellion now hold sway Common sense Here's immense A notion quite gigantic To face a king and send him hands So now there is just the simple matter Of raising an army and winning a war Back over the Atlantic Against the world's greatest military power Thank you for listening to Citizen Payne. The voices you heard today belong to Andy Cresswell, Liz Hammond, Beric Livingston, Mark Nicholson, and Paul Tibby. Tom Payne's words were all his own, and the script and songs were by Paul Tibby. If you enjoyed the show, please post a rating and review on iTunes, and to find out more about this and future projects from the audio ballads, go to citizenpayne.podbean.com. That's citizenpain with an e dot podbean dot com. <laughs> <laughs>